Is It Really? The podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Brandon Sharp. People call me Brandon Sharp. I'm Zach Smith Michaels, and you can sit here if you want. And I'm Lieutenant Mitch, and I'm here to try out my sea legs. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we're going to tear across the 60s and 70s like Gump saving Bubba and ask, why do we love Forrest Gump? Mitch, why don't you give us the synopsis for Forrest Gump? Gladly. Well, he taught Elvis how to shimmy, <laughs> protested with Abby Hoffman, blew the lid off the Watergate break-in, and showed LBJ his rear. Forrest Gump more or less witnessed every major event over the course of two decades. But was that enough? No, he also turned an old shrimp boat into a multi-million dollar company and ran across the U.S. a few times. And oh yeah, settled down with his childhood sweetheart. Well, before we get into the movie, I can see the look on Zach's face. This is going to be a fun one. <laughs> Why don't we talk about Tom Hanks a little bit? He has done a wide variety of roles over the years. Is he best when he really gets lost into a role or disappears into a character or when he's doing a good Tom Hanks? What are some of his best roles? I love different iterations of of both of those. I like this question a lot, Brandon. I'm going to bring up two movies that I saw very recently. Last night, I rewatched Toy Story with my family, and I think Tom Hanks as Woody is just incredible. Like, as an adult, listening to him, knowing that it's Tom Hanks, just... It made me love that even more. And I remember hearing a story from Tom Hanks when they asked if he wanted to play Woody. And he said, no, I don't just want to be one of those actors who's like doing a voice role because I'm a name. And they took, I think it was footage from Turner and Hooch and just animated Woody to that mm. to like show him like, no, you're you're the guy to play this cowboy. And that's what won him over. So I like that. And I think he's like literally lost in that role because you're not seeing him. It's just his sure. voice. So yeah. that's that's impressive. And most recently, I just saw a beautiful day in the neighborhood where he played fred rogers which i'll be honest i walked into that movie ready to hate it and ready to hate tom hanks but you've been can't. making fun of that movie for months before it came yeah. out for yeah, months was, you were making fun I, of it i was ready to uh dunk on it and i you know i just couldn't i mean the movie has issues but one of those issues is not tom hanks yeah, I wrote that one down also. It just felt like a mesmerizing performance. He completely sucks you in with his Fred Rogers. I thought it was fantastic. I'm a fan of late 80s, early 90s Tom Hanks, who I would consider neurotic and high energy. He likes to get loud a lot. Is that Big? Yes, Big's going to be one of those. Turner and Hooch, which I'm a big fan of. I know it's not considered one of his best, but I love Turner and Hooch. Uh, also, like Sleepless in Seattle a little bit, like you've got some rom-com Tom Hanks. Probably my favorite Tom Hanks character, though, is from Charlie Wilson's War, where he plays Charlie Wilson. And I'm going to call this Tom Hanks Plus. You've got a lot of Tom Hanks showing through there, but it's like... Tom Hanks, but with a Southern accent. And I, I love Charlie Wilson's war. It's fantastic. Is Charlie Wilson's war Sorkin? It is Sorkin. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a great movie. That's one I've struggled to get into. I just, I just couldn't do it. I think I love the cold war and it's great to see all the different sides of the cold war. This was a very unique perspective. When I first saw that for me, I had never, you know, considered like the congressional side of the cold war. 
Sure. Well, speaking of the Cold War, another Tom Hanks movie that he's surprisingly good in is Bridge of Spies. And that's oh. a movie like you, Zach, where I, I just saw the trailers and like, another one of these Oscar Beatty, oh, the mm-hmm. Coens wrote it and here's Tom Hanks. Check it out. Right. And then I watched it in a hotel room, which is probably the way it should be watched, that or on an airplane. (laughs) Uh, But it's surprisingly, I think for me, it's just like Tom Hanks, even when he's being Tom Hanks, really shows up. He gives small moments of wonder in in everything he does. That sounded a little romantic, but you know what I mean? Like he just, he shows up. He has energy. But there was that like strip of Sully. Captain Phillips, oh, gosh. Bridge of Spies. There's another one I'm missing in there, but I do feel like you're right. It was the uh, the post. Goodness gracious, oh, um, well, there no, was there no, was like you. there was like a just a string of Oscar Beatty, Tom Hanks doing Tom Hanks, and that's my 2015 era Tom Hanks, who's just kind of like not as impressive as he used to be, but yes, absolutely still commits to the role he's in. You know? Yeah, like good example, last 30 seconds of Captain Phillips, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things Tom Hanks has ever done, mm-hmm. him portraying a panic attack. Sure. Really yeah. moving, really yeah. incredible acting. Sure, absolutely. Too bad the rest right. of the movie isn't good. I will say my absolute favorite Tom Hanks movie, and I know that some of us are thinking about the passing of Adam Schlesinger. I know we're thinking about him, but uh, That Thing You Do is mm-hmm. one of my very favorite movies of all time. Schlesinger wrote the music for it. Tom Hanks wrote and directed the movie, and he's also in it, but not as the lead. He's like a very fun supporting character. Mm-hmm. That Thing You Do, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, to me is a perfect comedy. Yeah. And you can tell that's one that Tom is especially proud of. He brings it up a lot. A lot of his, what's the record company in that thing you do? Playtone. A Playtone. Lot of, a Playtone. A lot yeah, of, you see yeah. Playtone work its way into a lot of his personal things Love and like that. into other movies. <laughs> right. um, I also think one that would at least get an honorable mention here is Carl Hanratty. Sure. From sure. Catch Me If You Can. I thought it was a pretty unique role for Tom. And I thought he was pretty great paired up with Leo. Yeah, I know we talked about that on the episode. I think Tom Hanks is good, but I feel like I might have liked to see a different actor uh, play that role because Tom Hanks doing accents for me kind of post the 90s always sounds like Tom Hanks doing an accent to me. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, yeah. I also I don't disagree. He's not an accent yeah. person. Yeah. I also like some of the work that he's done as a producer, Where the Wild Things Are, one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. and he's one of the producers on that film. So I think a lot of the things he works behind the scenes on also, he's a he's a cool dude. Yeah. My alma mater, Wright State University, has the Tom Hanks building of uh, cinematic oh. arts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wright State yeah. University, Dayton, Ohio. Oh, yeah. A few months later, they invited me and the ping pong team to visit the White House. So I went, again, and I met the President of the United States again. Only this time, they didn't get us rooms in a real fancy hotel. So are you enjoying yourself in our nation's capital, young man? Yes, sir. Well, where are you staying? It's called the Hotel Ebot. Oh, no, 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 no. I know of a much nicer hotel. It's brand new, very modern. I'll have my people take care of it for you. Yeah, sir, you might want to send a maintenance man over to that office across the way. 
the lights are off and they must be looking for a fuse box or something because in flashlights they're keeping me awake thank you good night well forest witnesses or effects some of our country's most defining events and accomplishes things dreams are made of what part of his life seems the most outlandish watergate the scene that just came up was the last straw for me. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> I was and, done. <laughs> and here's the thing. It didn't make me the angriest. I was like, I'm done. I'm I don't care about this little trope anymore of Forrest was there. He was there. Like I again, I stopped trying to guess where the movie was going because I realized that the answer was everywhere. Well, I think that's a load of nonsense. And I think <laughs> we probably go. we'll we'll tackle some of that a little more. But right now, I think the best example of maybe the most outlandish thing is the running across the United States. I think we can agree. It was almost like you've got act one, act two. It's like this weird middle forest is trying to figure things out act. And it's like a lot of nonsense thrown together, I think. And it's where his celebrity status comes in. And I don't know. I for me, the the running act doesn't. Play yeah, I all. mean to to be clear, he leaves his house, leaves the front door unlocked, and goes right. on the road running for three years right. in the same clothes with the same shoes. I don't disagree, Brandon. But Watergate, that was the moment I checked out, and I was like, I don't, I don't care what this movie does anymore. Like, but it's I vibe so- with Brandon because the running scene is when he totally stopped being a human being to me it was right. yeah forced is an idea zach to speak to the archived or historical footage scenes the actual problem with the historical footage is there are people who watched forrest gump and that was the only time they had any exposure to these extraordinary events in time sure. you know the assassinations watergate any of the stuff with Vietnam, the civil rights, they were pulling all of everything they knew about those times, the the 60s, the 70s, they got from Forrest Gump. I think that's the actual problem with those scenes. Um, what civil rights, Brandon? Civil rights is not brought up in this movie at all. Yeah, sure it is. That would sure have featured African-Americans doing something of significance. Funny story. They they were writing a scene into the movie or they I, I think they filmed a scene where it was going to be the uh, the Selma march. And uh, they were going to have dogs chasing Martin Luther King Jr. And Forrest Gump was going to come in and tell those dogs to go away. And they were just like, well, Tom's accent wasn't there yet. And we also just felt like it'd be a little insensitive. So we cut that out of the movie. And I kind of was like, well, (laughs) thank God. That's but that I don't know, though. That's like poppycock to me. It's a little insensitive. They have have her love interest. I didn't Die make that up. AIDS. I did not make <laughs> to that to be up. like. Remember the AIDS crisis? I'm not We're saying the movie sense. I'm not saying the movie sensitive. I'm saying that's what they said, though. Yeah, it's a right. dumb excuse. I feel like this movie like completely patronizes and ridicules civic action. I agree. Protest like all the protesters are morons or yes. degenerates, or they beat all, women. Anyone who could be like progressive is evil. Right. And all the conservative people are heroes. So right. it's. I don't know. I, well, I think also another thing, Brandon, to talk about your point about history lessons. I had a, a teacher in high school who would always jokingly, anytime he could bring up like one of those Forrest Gump moments in the movie, he would say, like, and does anybody know who called Watergate in? And people would be like, uh, he'd be like, Forrest Gump did. 
And like a, a bunch of people in the class would kind of like giggle or chuckle. But then you had other kids who were like, wait, that, that movie's that movie's based on a true story. I think y'all are forgetting the most ridiculous thing. And I'm going to borrow a phrase Zach likes to use a lot on this. If you held a gun to my head and said, name one famous ping pong player, I would not be able to do that. I knew you and were going to say that. the fact that Forrest becomes a national celebrity because he's good at military ping pong is more ridiculous than Watergate and everything else in this movie. I think you're probably taking that from a, like a perspective of where we are today. Ping pong sure. is not a sport that's ever talked about. But I think the fact, like, if we're going to, as I like to say, adopt the premise here, this is a time when no one's going into China. So I feel like him going into China and playing ping pong with the Chinese would make national news. Like, I feel like that would be a big deal. The ping Brandon, pong can you can you name one ping pong player? I don't follow ho hockey. I know who Mike Lorizioni is. Like, I, you know, I know who those people are. I don't know any ping pong players. I think what I actually like about the ping pong in the movie, though, is I think it shows how Forrest is able to take simple commands and like obsessively master them. When the guy in the army is saying, just keep your eye on the ball, he is able to take a simple command and become an expert. If sure. you go back to the original command that he's given, run, you know, he's able to then take that and play for a national championship football team because in this movie's uh, portrayal of football all you have to do is run, run. in a straight line right <laughs> you're fine I, I think why the ping pong thing doesn't <laughs> bug me brandon's looking at me like yeah that's how football works <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the reason the ping pong thing doesn't bug me as much because mitch i was kind of with you in that i thought well, this is dumb, it's silly, but it also directly affects the plot of the movie where like the mom, they get back and there's all this Forrest Gump ping pong merch. And that's how she's been making her living for the past few years. So I was like, oh, OK, like it's lazy and schlocky, like, but it, it does directly affect the plot. So it's dumb, but whatever. For me, it's more so the Watergate thing. You can take it out of the movie and it's the exact same movie. It's just adding those little like, hey, remember this? <laughs> I think you could do that with any of the historical archived items in the movie. I think they're all equal to me. So like add one, take one away. Those things are the same. I don't think any of them seem more or less important or dumb than the, the next one. So I agree. I don't think they affect the plot too terribly much. To jump a little bit on what you'd brought up Brandon about like his singular focus. I think that's one of the movie's strengths. I will give him some credit because I feel like Forrest's skills are portrayed as America's skills. Like when we focus on one thing, you know, we go to the moon, that kind of thing, right? So his love of running, you know, I feel like that's like a metaphor for like resilience and fortitude and, you know, pursuing the future. So I think that like those things are innocent enough and they mythologize American values in a way that is good and healthy and and cool so i like that forrest isn't just necessarily like a simple guy he's yeah. you know he, he has strengths because of just who he is goofy anecdotes aside Forrest Gump is a good human being who always believes the best in people in a world becoming more cynical and mean every day. 
Is his simplistic outlook a problem? Is it irritating? Or is it the best part of the movie? One thing that I actually think is a problem with this movie is the way they kind of throw the word stupid around. I think if a school psychologist or like a child psychologist were to watch this movie, I I think that we would identify Forrest as someone who possibly has like an uh, Asperger's syndrome, or he's possibly someone who is like on the autism spectrum. I think the way that it really is blase with uh, his mental state is an actual problem. There is a way especially when you're dealing with mental health to address this properly. There's some tropes in there that aren't healthy too. Like when he's a nom and he's able to run really quickly with really, really heavy people on his back. Like that's a, you know, that's, Mm. that's a stereotype of people on the autism spectrum that they're like superhumanly strong and Mm. things like that. Like, you know, I'm not saying that's the film's intent. That's actually one I wasn't aware of. I did not know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just, Things that they could be a little bit more sensitive to, for sure. Again, like the people who do that in the movie, it's usually Forrest doesn't correct them, but he just says, Mom always said stupid is as stupid does. And I think it's to show he's living in a time period where people aren't as sensitive and they aren't willing to dive into learning more about people. It's just dismissive. Like, you know, are you this or are you stupid? Like kind of just very black and white, which I'm not saying is, is perfect. But that was actually one of the few things that didn't bother me as much because I think it's kind of showing like, you know, well, these people are just like ignorant. Can I say what I think it is to tack onto that? It's the myth of egalitarianism uh, that was really prevalent in this time period of like it's his mom says like no one's special, but don't let anyone look down on you. Right. Because, you know, everyone has the same chances you can, you know, make of your life what anyone else can make. Right. Which, you know, is very different than, you know, a lot of parenting today, right? The stereotype of like, we are special. Mm -hmm, So I do think that that is a flimsy and kind of dangerous worldview to have because like there are obstacles that people have that will prevent them from being able to do things. And this movie doesn't reward the value of like work or expertise (laughs) or education. Like he's able to, you know, just like luck himself into anything. And because of this, like teaching that, like everyone has this shot at the American dream, even someone, you know, who might have a mental illness or, yeah, I don't think he's being portrayed as someone who's mentally ill, but I do think I agree with what you're saying, Brandon, that they, they're kind of blase about his mental state and his intelligence. And I want to be careful how I word this, but... Yeah, because I feel like I'm stumbling all over the place a little bit with it. It's... I want to be sensitive. Right. I think that one of the things that jumps out to me is that I don't want to say it seems like the character of Forrest has selective intelligence, but like there's sometimes in the movie where he just seems like, you know, really he has no idea what's going on. And then other times it's, it's more so with his dialogue, but like when he has lines, like I wrote it down, I ran to get where I was going. I never thought it would take me anywhere. It's just like that. Like that's such a writery line though. Like, you know, and I don't believe that force is going to say that. And there's a bunch of lines like that in the movie where when we see Forrest in normal life, very few words, very clipped, very short, but then he's going to like tell everybody his life story filled with anecdotes and filled with like proverbs about, you know, like presidents being assassinated. It's just very inconsistent, I think. Well, I think taken out of context, 
I agree. Like those lines to me feel very schmaltzy, mm-hmm. very saccharine, and definitely like there's not a lot of wisdom there. It looks better on the page than what it's actually saying. Right. But I think exactly. in the context of the film, like if if I were to think of these sentiments are sort of Forrest Bible handed sure. down to him by yeah. his mother. Like yeah. mom always said, you got to put the past behind you. These move little on. one-liners. Like that yeah. is, yeah, like it's it's not real particularly profound. But it's fortune cookie wisdom is what it is. But right. I, I think a lot of people do live their lives around that fortune yeah. cookie wisdom that they're passed down by their parents. So I find that actually to be really meaningful. I also picked up on right away. He's very socially unaware where we start. The movie is him at a bus stop sitting on a bench and he just starts telling his life story to uh, I think it's the African-American woman when he first starts talking. But the nurse, um, yeah, yes, the nurse. And you can tell right away. He almost strikes me as like a Gomer Pyle. Which is funny because I think they're actually watching uh, Gomer Pyle USMC in uh, in yeah. one of the scenes, but he has no social boundaries. He's unaware of these, and right. I think that's where that's kind of like where the storytelling begins. Is like I'm just going to start talking about my life, and we, we see some of those like social issues right away. That's interesting that you bring that up, Brandon. Because again, you know, when we're talking about his simplistic outlook on life. And I think that because we're seeing this whole movie through his eyes, that makes it less interesting in a lot of ways. And that he just kind of looks at everything for what it is. And, you know, I think we just from our place of history have more informed opinions like uh, this, this watch through, I was particularly interested in Lieutenant Dan and his storyline of someone Mm -hmm. who his entire family, like someone has fought and died in every world war. He feels like this is his destiny. He feels like Forrest takes that from him. And then in the end he gets his new legs and he has like his wife and he comes back with a new outlook on life. I was like, gosh, I wish the movie was about Lieutenant Dan because his story is more interesting. I want to follow his story. Whereas because Forrest has like that simplistic outlook on everything, I'm just not interested. I think I read what you're kind of getting at, Brandon, this idea of like lack of social boundaries as like an openness and a a receptiveness. Like he's present. He he listens and responds to people. Where like the Lieutenant Dan's in the movie, I personally find them to be like more fleshed out human beings because they have goals and desires. Mm -hmm. All Forrest does is respond. He's kind of pushed like that feather, joins the army (laughs) on a whim. Right. Like major life decisions. He just kind of just goes with the flow. So I think that's portrayed as his strength. But I am really frustrated by how dangerous an idea that is because, you know, again, like. People who have goals and desires are punished for having goals and desires. Yeah, I I think that the feather blowing in the wind is kind of the Forrest Gump here. These situations were thrust upon him. He didn't make any significant decisions really for himself. He was, you know, a recruiter shows up at his graduation, right? And then he joins the army and then, you know, someone put a ping pong ball in my hand. And the next thing he knows, he's in China and he's meeting the president. Boom, 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 three times, three or four times, whatever it is. And yeah, the, all of these uh, extraordinary circumstances were thrust upon him. Well, Mm -hmm. I, I know that, and I haven't read it, but my understanding is that the Forrest Gump book Forrest is a little bit untrustworthy in that it seems like he mm-hmm. might not be giving you the whole truth and he kind of has rough edges. I think they were saying the writer said he either wanted John Candy or John Goodman <laughs> to play the Forrest Gump type. And the book is a little more cynical in that, like, 
you know, people show up and he just does something else and does something else and ends up somewhere else. So I think the movie in casting Tom Hanks, well, all of a sudden, that's not a character you don't trust. That's and that's also a character that you don't find particularly uh, cynical. So, I, you know, I think that their goal was to take this book that was maybe a little more abrasive, probably isn't the right word in its outlook at America. And I think that they just kind of rolled that back a little bit to tell to kind of give us a greatest hits of our country movie. Yeah. From what I read, they took all of Forrest's flaws in the book and they transferred them to Jenny. <laughs> so yeah. So, or uh, Jenny. you know, now Jenny is none of my, my, one of my biggest problems with the movie is none of the characters are characters. Like Jenny right. just represents historical trauma. Forrest just re- represents America. Lieutenant Dan is the military tradition. Like none of the people are people, but I think the book sounds more interesting because maybe Forrest did have some rough edges. So, right. If any message does Forrest Gump have for its viewers, and actually this this watch through for me was significant because I completely disagree. I think this is not this has always been a one person movie for me, the one person story. And this time I watched it and I was really starting to recognize how important these additional characters were to the movie. And I think clearly we follow Forrest Gump the closest, but the timeline is dotted with interactions with Jenny. And we see her at different points in her life. And I think, and, and, and it may be a little you know, heavy handed the way it's dealt with in the movie, but I think uh, this is an example of how two different upbringings can set two people on two different paths. I think Forrest is made to feel important by his mom. He's cherished. He's made to think that he can do anything. I think Jenny had a obviously a very traumatic childhood, and she's made to think that she has no value. They are just set on completely different tidal waves of, of their life. Yeah, I think my problem, though, is it seems like a foregone conclusion that, you know, Jenny is going to be the one who has to keep being saved. And, you know, particularly the scene where she was playing the guitar and Forrest comes in, Big Bad Forrest, to save her from that situation. Right. Just feels like she lacks agency in this movie. You know, it's like, you know, obviously she's the the damaged girl who is never going to choose the right guy because of her past. And it's a, at the least, I think like a harmful stereotype yeah. that removes her humanity. And I think uh, at worst, again, like I feel like it's really just a stand in for historical trauma. I think also how she may have found herself in a situation like that is, you know, think about the first time that she takes Forrest into her dorm room and she talks about she wants to be a star. She always wants to be a star. You know, she wants to be a singer. You know, she wants to be, you know, be um, be famous. And I think to her, this is like one step closer. And if I got a, you know, like she's willing to make sacrifices to get get closer to what she feels like is stardom. And it, it doesn't quite matter what she has to do as long as she's able to achieve that star status. Which is what frustrates sure. me that Forrest is rewarded with the fame that Jenny works for. Uh, he right. gets international attention for, you know, like without right. making choices or sacrificing things. Right. Well, and also to, to get back to the question, Brandon, where you said, what if any message does Forrest Gump have for its viewer? And I want to bring up a story, um, another story. 
that I heard from an interview with the screenwriter. The scene where Forrest gives that speech in Washington, D.C. about the war. Robert Zemeckis didn't like the speech that Eric Roth wrote, and Eric Roth, he tried to do something funny, and didn't, you know, Robert didn't like that. He tried to write something that was more heartfelt. Robert didn't like that. And they couldn't think of anything for Forrest to say, so they just have someone pull the mic. And to me, that's almost a perfect metaphor for this movie in that I don't think it has anything to say. I don't think it has an opinion. I think that this movie just kind of wants to throw a bunch of stuff out there and let the audience take from it what they will. But it's not really presenting anything other than what I've said before, kind of a greatest hits of the 60s and the 70s in America. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. I think the scene plays well for laughs. I think the scene, the scene is fine. I think Forrest Gump is about a man who is able to accomplish things. How he is thrust into the situations, I'm going to set that aside for a minute. He's able to accomplish things in a world that tells uh, stupid people that they can't that they won't accomplish it. They won't measure up to anything. And he is, he's able to accomplish these things being nice. He is a nice person in a world that is dissolving into just becoming more mean. And I think that's honestly the best thing about the historical footage is, you know, how many assassination attempts do we see? And then we see, you know, Nixon and Watergate, and we see this string of things and just kind of the world around him just disintegrating in into like just Ang just angry, like an angry society. And Forrest is Forrest remains pure. Well, I want to comment Forrest on remains this too. Pure so let, this. Me get, let, let me get in here because I think what you're pointing out, Brandon, is one of my issues personally. Again, just this idea that like if you're nice, you know what I mean, yes. then good things happen. That's not how I don't life think that's is. what it's I think saying. This is a dangerous. I mean, I mean, the idea that like mean, cynical people don't deserve to be rewarded and people like Forrest do deserve to no, be rewarded. No. I, I just think that I think okay, I think the, I'll let you clarify I think the, your position. the world says nice guys finish last. That's something that we have heard. I'm saying that you can accomplish something being being nice. You don't have to always be at it for yourself and be clawing and biting your way to the top of the pile. You can do these things. You can accomplish these things while you are a nice person. I'm not saying it's because you're yeah, nice. But I'm saying he, you can do it. But there's nothing, though, that he does to deserve anything he receives the movie just gives it to him so i i don't think that message could stand right like it would have to be someone who is nice and makes decisions and tries and strives right i don't know well i think at the same time brennan you say he's nice and i wouldn't even say that he's nice you, you know mean like, he's not I would friendly say he's, not mean. he's not friendly i'm saying he's a good I mean, person not even he's friendly i mean there's I a just... lot of friendly people out there who aren't good but he... I think people present him situations and he just says yes to everything. And that's, I think, what I mean when I say about, you know, this opinion. I think this movie is saying, like, don't have an opinion. Just let things happen to you and everything will be fine. Look at Jenny. Like, you know, like Mitch was saying earlier, look at Jenny. She tries to go out and do things. She tries to protest. She tries to have her own opinion and look at all this terrible stuff. Forrest, he just does what people tell him. He goes where people send him and look, he gets everything. I mean, one of the main messages of the movie, when he's standing over Jenny's grave, he says, are we just tumbling through yes. time or do we have a yes, destiny? I totally agree So with you like that is, mm -hmm. that is absolutely one of the mess. I 
don't, I'm not saying I agree with that. And I'm not saying the movie is, the movie's not saying don't have an opinion. I'm saying that this is, this is about someone who has extraordinary circumstances thrust upon him. And he doesn't have to be anyone special to come out on, like to come out of these in a successful way. No, that I completely agree with Brandon. Like the idea of the box of chocolates, right? It's, it's this idea of like, you don't know what life's going to give you and you got to make the most out of it. Right. And philosophy, it's actually, the idea is called thrownness. What circumstances you're thrown into. And I think like that grave scene that you're talking about with the feather, it's, it's really pointing at like, I think the movie has a strong thing to say about two American ideas that are competing. Like one being like, we have these destinies that are kind of ordained by God, like manifest destiny. Like, you know, the, the world is America's world because God loves us, all that kind of stuff. And then like the idea, another very American idea that like we make our sure, own yeah. destiny. We hustle, we pull ourselves up from our bootstraps and, you know, we make the most out of our lives. And I think the feather and the box of chocolates, they're, they're playing mm-hmm. with those ideas of like, our own personal agency versus like, you know, what we're yeah. given. Zach, any final thoughts? I know you got cut off quite a, quite a lot. Again, I strongly dislike this movie. <laughs> I got that. And a, a, <laughs> I got it. Here's the any thing, final though. thoughts? I don't like this. <laughs> well, no. Like, can I say <laughs> yes, why? Yes, you can. Like, yes, you can. Like yeah, absolutely. I love it. It was, it was just I a don't, great statement. Again, I don't like the movie because the beginning, I was like, here's, you know, this would kind of be a nice movie about like a kid who, you know, is a little bit slower, who lives with his mom and like he just kind of sees the world as, as this is happening. But then all of a sudden, like the whole like hour and 20 minutes that's in the middle of the movie is again just to stop through everything that America was going through and it's not interesting to me because the movie is obsessed with winking at the camera and cute little moments where he drinks 15 Dr. Peppers and all these other and all these different (laughs) types of shrimp and just like I wrote down in my notes at one point this movie is not funny like it wasn't fun for me to watch I didn't enjoy watching the film like in the slightest until we got to the end where he's raising little forest and it's getting back to being a simple story about you know this man who's learning how to have a family that at the end was the more interesting part but the whole middle of this movie where it just wants to take you through the vietnam war and elements of the civil rights movement and it wants to take you a little bit through what protesting looked like and it wants to take you through like the pop culture of this other era to me that's not interesting it's a movie that isn't a movie it's something that's showing people like don't you like this don't you remember this and i again i think that there's some good ideas in there but all together i don't think that the movie executes on them successfully so zach i think what you're saying is this movie is pornography for baby boomers oh, i am i think if i could comment on that just for a second i feel like what i'm gathering is that you you feel like there's a lot of noise in this movie and i don't disagree I am someone who doesn't actually do that well with noise, but this is a movie that I do love and I have loved it for a while. So I think probably because I have a relationship with it, I'm able to distill themes or thoughts that I think are powerful. I can absolutely see how maybe someone who doesn't enjoy the extra noise, I can absolutely see how they would struggle with this. I have no problem seeing that. I don't. If I could close with something I heard you say, too, uh, is the frustration of like Forrest Gump is an American fable that you shaves off the grim social realities of our past. Right. It kind of writes Mm. them off. 
so we can tell us many stories Uh, and to me i felt like i was wearing like cinematic beer goggles when we were watching the movie a little bit but i will say like any myth i think the facts can be less important sometimes than the symbolism and i think this helped a generation of people make sense of their lives so like i don't have a lot of patience and pity for baby boomers personally but like i i think if it's meaningful for people and it helps them make sense of that time period that's a good thing overall And now for something completely different. After recording this episode, something happened. I rewatched Richard Linkletter's 2014 film, Boyhood. Now, Boyhood is a movie about growing up, and there are references to movies, songs, events, and pop culture that I grew up with. And I wondered, is this movie my Forrest Gump? Is this movie going to be frustrating to the next generation and the generation after that? But after thinking about it, I realized that those weren't the most important elements of that movie to me. The things that I loved were the characters who are believable, the themes that are relatable, and the dialogue that all feels so realistic. Is it a little self-indulgent? Unquestionably, but Boyhood certainly has a big heart. And to me, a lot of that is missing in Forrest Gump. I don't find this movie relatable, I don't find the characters realistic, or even that interesting, and I don't care for when this movie turns into an episode of Time Was the 1960s or the 1970s. If you grew up in this time period and this movie spoke to you, that's excellent. I'm happy for you. But for me, the one-note characters, the show-offy dialogue, and the active avoidance of having an opinion all make this film unlovable. We all have ideas about how our lives are supposed to go. Forrest Forrest Gump embodies an American belief that no matter who we are, if we work hard and believe in ourselves, things will generally work out. Unfortunately, the movie sacrifices its supporting characters to prop up Forrest Forrest Gump because he personifies this American exceptionalism. Lieutenant Dan wanted to die in battle. When he loses his legs, he laments that this wasn't supposed to happen. Jenny wanted to be famous, a singer like Joan Baez, but she ends up dying of AIDS. Bubba wanted to be a shrimp boat captain, but he's killed senselessly in battle. Their dreams are sacrificed for Forrest Forrest Gump's glory. He's the colorblind, blissfully ignorant hero of Boomer America. Unconcerned with the horrors of the past or the challenges of today, ever optimistically running towards the promise of the future. Like a feather in the wind, he glides from victory to victory because Force Force Gump is good with a capital G and more importantly, American with a capital USA. We love Forest Force Gump because for a time we were made to believe we could all be Forest Force Gump, which is to say baby boomers were entranced by the mythos of the American dream, upward mobility, and even God's blessing on our nation. It's a conservative, rose-colored portrayal of American history, but the truth is life in this country is like a box of chocolates. And when you have the misfortune of picking a strawberry cream filled with nuts, chances are you're probably going to be stuck with that flavor. I think at its core, Forrest Gump is a story about growing up. No two people had the same exact set of circumstances contribute to their childhood because no two people are exactly alike. Even if we both grew up as boys in the same family, we're different people. 
we had different experiences and we in turn were set off on completely different paths. For the first time since I was introduced to this movie many years ago, I was able to watch Forrest Gump through the lens of parenthood. As a child, Forrest is loved, cherished, valued. Jenny endured things no child should ever have to endure. They were set off on completely different paths, and I believe it was in large part due to their childhood influences. Now, I'm not trying to rewrite any of the disagreements that happened during this episode. I simply wish to say that as parents and mentors and role models, our words and actions, however small, are remembered forever by the young people who look up to us. And if nothing else, Forrest Gump reminds me to take that responsibility seriously. It reminds me to always keep my promises and never let them leave without saying I love you. And that's why I love Forrest Gump. joining us for our episode on Forrest Gump. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We would love to hear your opinion on our episode or any other movie-related topic. So if you haven't already, hop on over to our Facebook page and join the conversation. We can be found at Real Boys Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a little spare time and you like what you hear, we would love it if you would take a minute to rate and review our podcast. We appreciate your support. Well, we will be back in two weeks with our episode on the Francis Ford Coppola masterpiece, The Godfather. We are finally taking on this whopper of a movie. Well, of a franchise, really. We're watching all three, and we're going to talk about all three. So be sure to tune in in two weeks. We'll see you then.